0: DiscerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Dr. Lillis is an associate professor and the academic dean of St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California, as well as the academic advisor for the St. Juan Diego House of Priestly Formation for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from his lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. He is the author of Hidden Mountain Secret Garden, a theological contemplation of prayer, as well as numerous other books focused on the spiritual life. In this series of conversations with Dr. Willis, we focus on Doctor of the Church, St. Teresa of Avila, and her great spiritual masterwork, The Interior Castle. Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Today, those who are attempting to walk in the spiritual life, to walk this journey that they're being called to, that grace that is very delicate with each soul, and it needs to be nurtured in a particular way. And many people may not have that encounter with someone who can help them through that. They may find Mm -hmm. people who are more rigid. That's the thing with Teresa. you can't put her into a rigid box, no matter how hard you try. And yet, we who read her may, and I and I say this in all reverence for those who I'm sure have holy, pious intentions of, of their heart, mm-hmm. we could be guilty of trying to put people into a, that regiment. Am I mm-hmm. making sense, Anthony?
1: Yeah. And so this is where having good spiritual direction, especially when you go on a retreat, but also just to check in. Anybody who's overly programmatic in spiritual direction and just tries to make everybody fit in the same box, usually they don't have a good understanding of the diversity of the ways that the Lord might work in a soul and the diversity of, of souls and their uniqueness. You need to have an extremely healthy respect for that. At the same time, you can look at all these differences. A good director also, like Teresa Vavila knows what's at stake. What's the end that we're working for? And for Teresa of Avila, in this chapter, the end is a will that is burning for love of Jesus. So I mentioned earlier that there might be some souls that don't need to employ their imagination and their intellect because their wills are so on fire with the love of the Lord. This is a different kind of silence than a silence that one achieves if one purposely tries to stop thinking and purposely tries to stop using his imagination and sit in a silent stillness by yourself in the dark. Non-Christian religions do something like this. It doesn't necessarily lead to a burning love of God in your soul. It, It more likely will lead you astray. It will trap you in your own big fat ego. Well, a spiritual director who knows that the end is a soul on fire for Jesus will know That no matter how high we go, even if we enter in those heights of prayer where the use of our imagination and our intellect are suspended, we're still rooted in the humanity of Jesus. He's still walking with us. He's still with us. He's the center of our prayer. We don't go beyond him. Any prayer that goes beyond Jesus is no longer Christian prayer. Any prayer that goes beyond Christ, crucified, is no longer Christian. And with that freedom then, the uniqueness of what this soul needs or to think about or that soul needs to allow itself to enjoy and receive or this soul needs to employ its imagination on. You know, a good spiritual director, a good spiritual friend can be an invaluable assistance. You've kind of put your finger into something that is so very important and unique about Christian spirituality. In other world spiritual spiritualities, non-Christian spiritualities. Everybody tries to go for the most general principles, and they try to strip away their uniqueness as if their uniqueness and their particularity of their lives are kind of the problem and things that's holding them, them back. For the Christian, our uniqueness and our particularities are precisely the avenues through which grace comes. The uniqueness and particularities of your life are the things that are going to influence the way you imagine our Lord and what He suffered for us and His works and miracles and His teaching. All of those are going to be influenced by the particularities of your life, the concrete circumstances that you live in right now. And those concrete circumstances aren't accidental or problematic. They are what God has entrusted you with. They are part of His providence to you, even when they're very, very painful especially when he seems so absent in the midst of all those things. And then in the midst of that, where he seems so absent because of difficult things going on in your life right now, you raise your imagination in prayer and you baptize your understanding in the words of sacred scriptures and the movement of the Psalms. And you let yourself kind of respond to dance with the graces that are given to you as you try to understand our faith, as you try to picture what the Lord did for you. As you let it stir your affections, it's going to stir you in a unique and different and remarkable and even astonishing way the more that you find yourself astonished in prayer, the more likely that is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And then a good director, again, is the kind of person who's respectful of all of that. And this is where, again, my polemic against overemphasizing technique, it's not that no technique is ever good or that some techniques can't be used in prayer, but it's just that people who use techniques or methods as if it's one size fits all, they lose this uniqueness, which is part of the incarnational reality of christian prayer
0: i'm thinking of even the spiritual exercises as they're written by saint ignatius some may think of that as some type of a program but in reality what he's doing is he is always leading you back into a particular encounter with christ and then challenging you to listen to the movement that's happening in your heart. It's very personalized to the individual. What are you experiencing? What is the Lord saying to you? And listening very deeply to that. And as you said, he said, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, I'm I'm not trying to be simplistic, but he will say, then don't do it. But be open to that deeper listening.
1: Or rather, what he advises. The director is to make use of these spiritual exercises insofar as they're helpful. If other spiritual exercises are leading to the same encounter, then use the other. other exactly. exercise. For him, again, it's in kindling of the will the devotion, so that we will be wholehearted in our service of the Lord. And all of his exercises are going there. And if, if for a particular soul, a different set of exercises work, or these particular ones aren't helpful, lay these aside and do the ones that do work. And that's why, you know, you know, we've had saints who uh, are canonized, who never did the Ignatian exercises. You know, the, it's not like doing the Ignatian exercises is the only way to find God. It's helpful. It's useful. It's, it's good. But God works in many different ways with many different spiritualities. The principle, though, that Ignatius is pointing to is the same principle that Teresa of Avila's Pointing to here, the important thing is this inflamement of the will, our heart burning with a love for the Lord. And when you have that, you, you uh, the stillness and the peace and the silence that you find in that, but also the readiness to act with boldness and courage out of out of love for God and gratitude for what He's done. You can't replace it. You know, there's no substitute. No technique can produce that. No method make it come about. It's a gift. And all our techniques and methods and whatever else we use to pray um, dispose us to receive this gift. And and therefore, the most important thing is to receive the gift with whatever method or technique or other counsel we might receive.
0: Yeah, it is such an extraordinary thing when you just even take a snapshot of the 2,000 years of Christian spirituality or even just a 1,000. I'm thinking of the... Audiences that uh, long ago that Pope Benedict XVI gave on the medieval women, the mystics, and all of them. There are so many different, I mean, from different backgrounds, different orders, wives, mothers, the whole range. But for almost all of them, whether it's Claire of Assisi, Gertrude the Great, Bridget of Sweden, of course, Teresa of Avila, and even little Therese, The thing is, you always notice, Anthony, is just as Teresa is saying here, it's always Christocentric, their relationships, no matter what their particular exercises, because they are different. I mean, many of them had different type of spiritual encounters. Gertrude, for example, was very liturgical. It was the reception of the sacraments. But even in that, it's all about Christ. Christ crucified, Mm -hmm. the fount of grace that flows from from him. And of course, that font leads you to the, the Blessed Mother and the saints. And so all of that prayer, that's its logos, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the, that encounter? And for anything that would try to get you to set that aside or push that away, that's at the very least problematic, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes. What does she mean exactly? She, she actually says, and I, I want to read this and then break it down because it's worth spending just a little bit of time on, because it involves the truth, as you say, but it also involves a little bit of personal appropriation. By meditation, I mean prolonged reasoning with the understanding in this way. We begin by thinking of the favor which God bestowed upon us by giving us his only son. And we do not stop there, but proceed to consider the mysteries of his whole glorious life. Or we begin with a prayer at the garden and go on rehearsing the events that follow until we come to the crucifixion. Or we take one episode of the Passion, Christ's Rest, let us say, and go over this mystery in our minds, meditating in detail upon the points in which, in which we need to think over and to try to realize, such as the treason of Judas, the flight of the apostles, and so on. This is an admirable and a most meritorious kind of prayer.
0: We'll return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app.
1: St. Teresa speaks to us today, saying,
0: Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices.
1: O oh God, who through your Spirit raised up St. Teresa of Jesus to show the Church the way to seek perfection, grant that we may always be nourished by the food of her heavenly teaching and fired with longing for true holiness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. St. Teresa, pray for us.
0: That we may become worthy of the promises of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis.
1: So now, by personal appropriation, she's given us a whole bunch of different little techniques in here. But one is, think of the favor which God bestowed upon you by giving, giving us his only begotten son. And so what does this mean? God gave his son to us definitively, we read in the Gospels. But God has also given each of us his son personally in our lives, in the story of our lives. Somewhere along the line, Jesus has been knocking on the door of our hearts because the Father sent him to us. Have we welcomed him in? And when we welcomed him in, have we taken time to thank God for the gift of knowing Jesus Christ? And so she goes, that's the starting place. Once you thanked God for the gift of knowing Jesus Christ, now begin to think about his mysteries. And she gives one way of going is to start with the Garden of Gethsemane and go to the crucifixion. And so you replay all the scenes and you see everything that Jesus went through and you accompany him in it all. You go with him through the whole experience that's what a friend does a friend goes through the hard experiences the hard memories that one's friend shares with him jesus is sharing with him the difficult things he suffered from gethsemane to golgotha and so she said you can walk with jesus on that road she also says though she goes she says that you can also think about all the details so you can go back over and think about the details like the painful details the treason of judas the flight of the apostles you might add the denial of peter the cruelty of the roman soldiers this is an admirable and a most meritorious kind of prayer If you look at that brief description and you go to Ignatius's exercises, you'll see a lot of connecting points. They're not talking about radically different things. If you took this same description and you read it in terms of St. Dominic's Nine Ways of Prayer, you wouldn't see anything in St. Dominic's Nine Ways of Prayer that kind of said that there was something wrong with with Mm -hmm. what she just described. It Mm -hmm. goes with it. And for further practice, if somebody needed further proof, you know, uh, you can compare it with the spiritual writings of Catherine Siena. Catherine Siena, who, who talks about the bridge to the Father, which is the crucified Christ, and you get right there at the crucifixion, you kiss his crucified feet and his wounded side. And those lips that gave his last wordless cry to the Father, this devotion to Jesus and what he's done for, for you is the bridge. This is how you come to know the Father through what Jesus suffered for us. So, Teresa lives in the same and again she's not over prescriptive she doesn't detail out this meditation she offers you the briefest description of it knowing that you'll get what she means and you'll apply it to yourself in the right way so what does this mean then this means when we go to pray one of the meritorious things to think about is how have you encountered the lord in your life Where's your conversion? And how does your conversion and what the graces that you receive relate to what happened to Jesus on his way to Golgotha? How in your life have you seen the betrayal of Judas and the abandonment of the apostles? How have you stood with Mary under the shadow of the cross? When you start thinking of these things, this is what inflames the desire of our heart for the Lord There's a certain gratitude that can seize us, and we need to let ourselves be seized by it. This kind of prayer, you could say it's effective, it involves your affectivity, it involves your emotions, but it's not simply emotional. You're not simply working yourself up into a state so that you can be in an emotional state. You're in a conversation with somebody who loves you. There's Jesus is a real person. And you're thinking about the real things this real person has done for you and your real encounter, your actual encounter with him in your own life. And you're relating your own life into his story. You're seeing the story of your life in his story. Uh, Because why? Because he's made your story part of his story. It's not simply to make it so that you have something emotive going on and you can spout off with ice twaddle. It's so that you can have a relationship with the living God. That's what's at stake. And that's what she's trying to protect in her doctrine of prayer, even in these highest levels of prayer.
0: Where else shall we go in this particular section or in this particular chapter of the Sixth Mansion?
1: As we come to kind of the end of the reflections that I would have, the other reality is that there are people who actually become so inflamed with the love of God It's not so much that they're not aware of the passion of the Lord anymore. It's just that in their awareness of it, they are so seized by it that they can't employ their understanding or their intellect. These mysteries, she said, will not be apprehended by the understanding. The soul will understand them in a more perfect way. The understanding will picture them to itself and then they will be impressed upon the memory so that the mere sight of the Lord on his knees in the garden covered with that terrible sweat will suffice us not merely for an hour but for many days. Consider with a simple regard who he is and how ungrateful we have been to one who has borne such pain for us. Then the will is aroused. Not perhaps with deep emotion, but with a desire to make some kind of return for so great a favor and to suffer something for one who has suffered so much himself. And so it is with other subjects in which both the memory and understanding will have its place. This, I think, is why the soul cannot reason properly about the passion. It is because of this that it believes it's unable to meditate upon anything at all. My hope for those who are listening to the series is that they come to that place in prayer where they're so overwhelmed by what jesus has done for us it's not that they go past it when they can't use their imagination or their memory anymore or their understanding is silenced they haven't gone past it they've entered deeply into it it's especially present to them in prayer i firmly believe that when this happens when souls are generous enough to god to allow themselves to be seized by the immensity of God's love in this way, God is able to do powerful, powerful things in that soul. And so I'm hoping that uh, as we talk about these wonderful mysteries, those who have dedicated their lives to prayer will, instead of trying to seek some kind of psychic state or stillness or something like that, they will spend all their energy on seeking Jesus Christ. And if they can seek him, if they can find him, they have found everything
0: Amen let the journey continue
1: <laughs> okay thank you so All much right. Anthony thank you Chris okay have a great day
0: you've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis to hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs visit discerninghearts.com there too you will find an audio version of the Interior Castle by St. Teresa of Avila, the masterwork in which this series has been based. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for... Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis.